What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 212. And I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys. I am losing my voice right now. I got back from New York. Although the experience was good, very amazing in New York, coming back was a nightmare. Um, we Our flight got canceled, so they couldn't find new flights till like Wednesday, Thursday. Just ridiculous stuff. Um, we decided just to drive back, 14-hour drive from New York all the way over here to Atlanta. Exhausted, losing my voice. I don't know if I got sick. Um, yeah, just that part of it sucked. But uh, I want to kind of go over my New York trip, why I flew out there, um, and talk about a little bit, you know, what I experienced. I went over there. Uh, to meet one of my great friends, Brian, wanted uh, to go out there and finally meet him in person. So, you know, he had hit me up. Hey, there was a 50 Cent concert. Hey, I can get a plus one. Boom. Flew out. Wanted to show love not only to him, 50's concert, and, you know, anybody that's, you know, around 50, his team, all that. Uh, flew out and, uh, you know, met some met some amazing people. Uh and yeah, that's that's the concert was amazing. Uh, I was in Brooklyn, the second Brooklyn show. We brought out Fat Joe, Bobby Schmurda, uh, Young M.A. Yeah, man, really, really high level concert. Lots of uh, you know, dancers. This this drummer that was there that killed it. Guitarist. Uh, uh, you know, lots of lights, fires, all this stuff, all this cool stuff. I think the only complaint I had was that. Maybe the transitions weren't that good musically, like how he transitions to stuff. Maybe that, and sometimes the sound would be so muffled that, um, you know, you couldn't really hear what the song was until a little bit later, and they're like, oh, okay, this is the song. So, you know, other than that, it was an amazing show, man. 50 really stepped it up for this final lap tour. So, you know, like I said, I apologize if I don't have the high energy. You know, I'm losing my voice. I kind of don't want to go you know, too loud with this podcast right now because my voice is going to completely go away and I need it. You know, I need it. I do every day. I do stuff. So relating to my voice with the work that I do. So you guys know that. So I apologize in advance if the energy is not there. If, you know, it's hot, not, I'm not, you know, yelling and blah, 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 blah. You like I normally do on here. Um, but yeah, great event. You know, like I said, uh, getting there was great. Last minute had to book things, which sucked, you know, price wise because, a lot of it was expensive, but uh, it doesn't matter. The experience was was well worth it. Meeting the people I met was well worth it. So, um, yeah. So, the, the coming back was just a nightmare. Like I said, flight canceled. Never happened to me before. I've always had flights get delayed, but being canceled was something that uh, has never happened to me. Got canceled. Me and my brother Vito, who's on the podcast. Uh, just randomly decided, I was just like, I actually brought it up. I was like, man, let's just drive back, man. Fuck it. Uh, 13, 14 hour drive. Uh, we stopped at a hotel because we were just exhausted. You know, uh, then drove back, got back at like five, took a nap because I got no sleep. Came here, podcast. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, anyways, let's get into the news. There's a lot of interesting things that have happened throughout the course of these couple of days that I didn't get a chance to record, like some of these I recorded prior, some didn't. Um, but the Tupac murder investigation, there's an update on it on the bullets found. Let's go over the article. 
Uh, the bullets retrieved from the recent Tupac murder search don't match the shell casings found at the original crime scene, according to a new report. ABC News has revealed the body cam footage from the night from the night Las Vegas SWAT uh, descended on the home of Duan Keith Davis, better known as Keefe D, uh, to execute a search warrant. Amongst the many things they retrieved were bullets from his Henderson, Nevada home, which is just outside of the Las Vegas city proper. Now it's been revealed that the bullets found on the property do not match the shell casings from the original crime scene. While this revelation suggests that Keefe D may be innocent, <clears throat> neither ABC News nor Las Vegas police have confirmed this. Regardless of whether Keefe D is exonerated in Tupac's murder, however, he is still an important uh, material witness in this case. Uh, they said this, items retrieved from the home, including computers, hard drives, and pictures from the 1990s that apparently show individuals who might have been connected to people directly or indirectly involved in the drive-by shooting. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep our eye on this. Um, like I said, I don't expect anything to come from this from from a you know quite some time now actually because it's probably going to take about a year or two till they they gather everything that they want up completely and then you know execute arrests. But you know I stand by the fact that I think it's Keefe D that did it. I don't think Orlando Anderson did it uh, based off a lot of the especially the new witness you know talking about. New witness came forward. Obviously, it's it was a witness that was wanted to stay anonymous, but came forward, said the hand that was shooting out wasn't a slim hand. Orlando Anderson's hand was slim. Uh, it was somebody a lot lot bulkier, which Keefe D is. His hand is a lot bulkier. So, um, you know, that's a huge thing. That's not just something that just, you know, hey, okay, there's a hand that's different. No, this is a huge, huge thing. I do believe the way Keefe D has answered questions in interviews it's him, man. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they charged him. Uh, I could see why Orlando would do it. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, this, that, speculations, this, that. You know, with Tupac and Biggie, man, this, these, that's why I'm saying, like, when I do the documentary, it's going to be so much he said, he said, she said stuff that is just, you know, you got to report on all of it. At least stuff that you know is credible, not just some random Joe Schmo from across the street that says they, they saw something or did something. Uh, people that are around Pac's camp, around Biggie's camp. Um, lots of stuff, man. So, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this and see if uh, there are new reports or anything new that comes out from this. But the bullets found do not match, So, which is not really a surprise. I doubt, you know, Keefe D would really have bullets from that moment. You know, it would be really stupid of him to do that. But uh, uh, people do collect things, man. So, Melly Mel. So... Melly Mel dropped that diss track towards Eminem, and he got horrible backlash. Uh, feedback that was horrible. The song was was horrible. Uh, people thought on my live stream I was trolling because I was bumping my head to it, but no, I was like trying to get into it. You know, uh, you know, I give everybody a fair shake. I don't care whether you're old school, new school. I'm listening. I was excited for it. I was anticipating something really, really dope, especially all the shit talking that Melly Mel did about. Hey, I'm better than a lot of these new rappers. I can wash them. Nobody stands, you know, a chance against me. I'm, I'm one of the goats. Blah blah blah. This and that. Um, yeah, the song came out. No title track for the song. That was one thing that was really funny. That that, that really showed his age. I think uh, the flow was outdated. Uh, beat was was whack. Uh, the disses weren't anything special. So, um, yeah, Melly Mel then has decided. But here's the twist on this. Melly Mel posted 
an apology to Eminem on his Instagram, but has since removed it, and the diss song is still up on his channel. So, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if Melly Mel issued the apology, saw the feedback of people clowning him even with some more. He took it back. This is the funny thing about this whole situation is Eminem has Melly Mel in his feelings. Um, you know, Eminem sends the diss. He gets pissed off, records a song out of rage, doesn't calculate it more properly. Song is dookie, gets bad feedback from everybody, um, and then gets emotional and decides to apologize and now has since removed it, probably because people are joking, clowning him, which is stupid. I think, you know, the fact that he apologized shows that he's a, you know, he's a man who can hold himself accountable and realize that he did a mistake, that he, you know, spoke out of disrespect for no reason. When Eminem, you know, shouted him out and when he got his, uh, when he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So um, let's go over the whole apology and then, you know, talk about why is the reason that he potentially removed it. So it's two slides, pretty long text, but let's read them. In the light of the 50th anniversary of hip hop, my original intention was to contribute and engage in an enjoyable endeavor to enrich the cultural landscape. Regrettably, my response fell short in its execution, and I expect full responsibility for the misjudgment. So starting out, Melly Mel is saying, you know, it's 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Why not compete? I totally agree with that. I love uh, battles that don't end up in people trying to kill each other. Just battles, man. Diss tracks back and forth. Who's better? Boom. I agree with that. Uh, he continues and says, I acknowledge that my perspective was ill-conceived, and I am prepared to take ownership of this oversight. It has become evident that Eminem's dedicated and passionate fan base stands unwaveringly by his side, which is a testament to their genuine admiration and loyalty, a truly commendable aspect. So now he's giving props to the fans, saying, y'all flooded my shit, disrespected me, disliked my video to hell. Uh, clearly he's got a loyal fan base. Boom, boom, boom. So that's pretty funny, actually, that he kind of started it with that. Not really started it, but kind of instead of addressing Eminem, Head on, he, he says that first. Uh, from the onset, I have consistently recognized Eminem's exceptional prowess as an MC. Without reservation, my unfortunate choice of words suggesting that his success is solely attributed to the color of his skin was in no way reflective of my genuine beliefs. It was an attempt, albeit misguided, to engage, to engage competitively within the MC sphere. So he's saying, listen, I threw the bait out there. That's why I said that, that you know, Eminem's only talented because he's white. That was just bait so that he could, um, you know, battle me. So basically trolling. That's what really trolling is. You bait so people can respond to your comments, this and that. So um, that's horrible that he admitted to that. That's not cool at all, especially when it comes to skin color. I think race, when you're playing that field, not cool at all, man. Eminem's earned his stripes. Eminem's worked his ass off, earned everything he's gotten. So, you know, we know that whole story. The second slide says this, it is important to acknowledge that the dynamics of hip-hop have evolved over distinct eras, and it is inevitable that not everyone will resonate with my perspective, just as I may not fully comprehend others. Throughout my involvement in shaping the hip-hop landscape, the cornerstone has been built upon a foundation of mutual respect, even when personal preferences may differ. Basically saying, hey man, everybody's got their own opinion when it comes to this stuff. Uh, moving forward, my paramount uh, commitment is to foster an environment characterized by respect in every facet of my endeavors with utmost 
sincerity. I convey my best wishes and extend heartfelt appreciation to Eminem for the recognition extended to me during his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction speech. So we all know Eminem did his Hall of Fame induction speech, gave out uh, props to Melly Mel, Grandmaster, you know, all that uh, flash and all that stuff. He ends it all by saying this. In conclusion, I am keenly aware that hip-hop encompasses diverse epics and my objective remains focused on promoting a spirit of respect as we collectively celebrate the 50th anniversary of this influential cultural phenomenon. That's a hell of a way to end it. But after posting this, maybe, I want to say 12 hours later, I could be wrong, maybe 10 hours later, it is removed from his page. Uh, you know, probably because, you know, every media outlet picked up on it and posted it. So then he was like, all right, it's out there. Did my apology. Let me remove it. Or this is another alternative, which I don't know. This is something that Eminem has to clarify because, you know, Eminem needs to get in touch with him directly, clarify things. Um, but he could have just, you know, saw the response of people clowning him because some people were clowning him. When we posted it, we got... We got half, half, half people saying he's a clown for even doing the diss and then backtracking it. And then we got other people saying this is dope. Shout out to him for acknowledging his mistakes and hopefully it can lead to Eminem and Melly Mel, you know, being cool with each other. Um, so he got half, half on my, at least on our, our platform on diverse mentality on Instagram. I was seeing about half, half damn near even. Uh, but if he got a lot of hate on his actual page, that could also get him, you know, in his feelings to, you know, remove this and maybe do a next diss track. I don't know what's going to happen. I do think um, the diss track was, was in poor taste. Eminem's never disrespected him. Uh, Eminem's just responding to the disrespect. And a lot of people don't seem to be aware of that. I don't understand how. You know, I think people don't understand that Eminem like really, really respects the OGs of hip-hop and has always respected anybody in hip-hop, really. You know, even though he clowns certain newer generations, He'll still say, hey, that's not my cup of tea, but hey, do your thing. Uh, Eminem's never been the type to kind of, to hate just for no reason. You know, there's usually a reason behind it. But Melly Mel, that that was hate towards Eminem for literally no reason. Like he said himself, just a troll, say that he's white. That's the only reason he's good. And that's, you know, the only thing that probably can get, I don't think it gets under Eminem's skin, but I think that's the only thing that you can really say to Eminem that like people would be like, oh yeah, that's a possibility. That's why Eminem is this. But in reality, lots of white rappers came and went, and Eminem is here to stay, has been here to stay for you know, over 20-plus years. So that whole thing of white, black, whatever, like I said, you can be green, purple, pink, I don't care. If you make great music, you make great music. That shouldn't matter. Skin color, like I said. you know, I know hip-hop is founded on black culture, but you know, and it should be reminded that it's founded on black culture. And you know, pillars like this, like Mel- Melly Mel, should be respected, and Eminem's always shown that respect. Um, and I always feel the same way on my platform. I always show respect. I don't, you know, I think clowning older artists, saying they're washed up, saying this and that, not cool, man, uh, especially because these people created what we love today. So shout out to hip-hop, the 50 years of hip-hop, man, too. So shout out to the, you know, happy birthday to hip-hop. Uh, let's get into something else, man. This is a Rico charge. So this is the newer side of... Uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in hip-hop. Unfortunately, it's kind of taken more of an aggressive path where uh, I even saw Melly Mel say this, where street guys are becoming rappers just never made sense because street guys, you know, they do street shit. And, you know, you tie in legal things with street shit, 
you get a whole mess like Rico charges. So let's go over what's going on. Young Nudie, uh, I think it's Nutty or Nudie. I don't know. It's one of those N-U-D-Y. Uh, he's had a recent hit that's actually doing well on the charts, so it's a damn shame this is happening. But uh, Atlanta's not playing around. So Young Nudie's PDE crew is at the center of a new Rico indictment in which multiple members have been arrested over allegations they stole up to 70000 in COVID-19 relief funds. Per Atlanta News First, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office announced the arrest on Wednesday, August 9th, concluding what they said was a 30-month-long multi-jurisdiction investigation involving multiple associates of the PDE criminal street gang. Prosecutors allege the insurance fraud scheme, which spanned several states involving involved stealing personal information from more than 100 Fulton County residents to apply for and receive federal coronavirus aid funds, relief, and economic securities. Uh, officials said a few of the victims were already dead. Eight individuals have since been indicted by the grand jury, so eight of them. All of them are charged with violation of the Georgia RICO Racketeering and Corrupt Organizations Act, violation of the Georgia Street Gang Terrorism and Prevention Act, conspiracy to defraud the state, and identity fraud. Uh, they said that the White Collar Crime Unit spent more than two years investigating this case, which came out which came to our attention out of a series of gang-related homicide investigations in early 2021. White-collar crime unit deputy district attorney Will Wooten told Atlanta News First. We spent countless hours combing through uh, cell phone evidence, social media evidence, bank records, and other documents, and we intend to hold accountable all the individuals charged by the grand jury in this uh, case. Fulton County District Attorney Feeney Willis added, whether they are shooting or stealing, criminal street gangs will be prosecuted by my office for the crimes they commit in Fulton County using every tool available under the law. If gangs to choose, if gangs choose to turn to white-collar crimes to fund their illegal activities, we will be waiting with indictments in hand. Hey, man, um, I don't like, I don't like, you know, I don't care if you're a rapper, I don't care what you, I don't like people doing illegal shit, killing, stealing, you know. So shout out to Atlanta, man, cleaning up the streets, doing their thing. You know, it sucks that, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice, like I said. It sucks that a lot of these um, artists don't learn, man, and just get out of the street life. You know, we repeated this probably 90 million times on the podcast. Um, so we'll keep our eye on this. You know, stealing, a lot, of, a lot of people stole a lot of COVID relief money, which is not cool. That's another thing. I guess, you know, if it's getting taken from the government, I could really care less about the government. But, you know, um, a lot of people are just stealing it, blowing it, doing dumb things. If you're going to steal the money, at least invest it, do something smart with it. You know, uh, if you're going to steal it just to buy a Lamborghini, you're a fucking moron. That's the end of the day of it, you know. A lot of people got a lot of money in COVID relief and blew it all. Which just goes to show that, you know, when people say, oh, if I had a million dollars, if I had $10 million, no, bro, you would probably blow this shit and be broke within two to three years. You need financial literacy. You need to know how to invest where to put your money, that's how you keep wealth. Not, you know, somebody handing you $10 million and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Donald Trump got a loan of this and that. Yeah, he did, but he turned that loan into billionaire status. That's different. You know, in fact, you could argue that might be harder because, look, what's, what's the longest generational wealth? It's like seven generations. I forget what the family was, but they held on to the wealth for seven generations which is a lot. The Rockefeller people, they're at their fourth generation. But my point in this is that, you know, you can build it up, become a multimillionaire, build up, you know, when you're alive, hand it off to your next generation, and they could all fuck it up. 
you know, so when people were mentioning the Trump situation of him getting, you know, hey, I got a small loan from my dad, blah, 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 turn into billionaire status, that's actually harder to do than actually start from scratch because, you know, you don't know the value of a dollar. You don't know how hard it is to earn money. So when you just get it handed to you, nine times out of 10, people just blow it. They start doing drugs. They start getting to all kinds of issues, addictions, blow all the money, and there you go. There's a the generational wealth. It's gone. Um, the fact that Trump didn't do any drugs, didn't do, you know, so that's, that's the, you know, I think people, when people say, oh, if I got a loan of this and that, and I saw that with the, the only reason I'm using Trump as an example is because I saw that with a Donald Trump example. Oh, if I got a loan of a million dollars, if I got a loan of 10 million, if I got a loan of this and that, nah, bro, lot, lots like 98% of people would blow it and be back to square one, broke as shit, have new addictions and just be losers. Um, that's the reality of the situation. Look at the lottery. People that win the lottery, you think, you know, what was the percentage? Like 90% of them lose it all. Some of them get into addictions and start going crazy and get homeless. They even end up worse than what they started with. Because when they started, they probably at least had a job, you know, and weren't addicted to stuff, you know. Then they got all this money, decided to do all these crazy things, got addicted to stuff, maybe drugs. Boom, end up homeless because they blew all the money. So some people end up worse than what they started with. So, uh... You know, um, I don't know how the hell I got into this. I'm tripping. But, um, yeah, man, shout out, shout out to, because, oh, the COVID relief. Yeah, I'm tripping right now. So, yeah, people are taking money, stealing it, should have invested it better. This is another example of that money's being stolen, blowing it on dumb shit, whether it's gang activity, uh, buying fancy chains, cars, whatever the case may be. Uh, dumb, dumb thing, man. If you're going to steal the money, at least be smart with it. At least, um, you know, invest it build into something so that way they'll have less eyes on you because if you're over here buying a bunch of shit that's when you get caught because it's like whoa where is this guy getting all this stuff from that's why free ray rick ross you know the real rick ross he lasted so long because he was never flashy he drove the same old car same stuff it was the people surrounding that kept flashing and then that's what got you know attention to him which is unfortunate because actually you know he did deserve to go to jail he's distributing drugs that was Brad, bad way of wording it, but, you know, um, he would have never got caught, I believe, because he never really cared about Flash and stuff. He was making, he was just investing in, like, these car shops, these type of areas, and uh, he was making, like, a million a day sometimes. So, you know, he would have never got caught had it not been for other people flashing. So if you're going to steal money, at least be smart about it and don't flash it around. Tory Lanez has spoken out after getting sentenced to 10 years in prison. Yes, 10 years in prison for the Megan, the Stallion shooting and violating uh, some gun probation laws. So let's go over what Tory Lanez has posted on Instagram. And it's quite the same as, you know, when we were going over the actual sentencing of what Tory Lanez feels. He feels he is innocent in this situation. And this is what he wrote. He said, to the umbrellas, I have never let a hard time intimidate me. I will never let no jail time eliminate me. Regardless of how they try to spin my words, I have always maintained my innocence, and I always will. This week in court, I took responsibility for all verbal and intimate moments that I shared with the parties involved. That's it. In no way, shape, or form was I apologizing for the charges I'm being wrongfully convicted of. I remain on the stance that I refuse to apologize for something that I did not do. I faced adversity my whole life, and every time it looked like I would lose, I came out on top. This is nothing but another moment where my back is against the wall, 
and I refuse to stop fighting till I come out victorious. Tough time don't last, tough people do. To my family, friends, and umbrellas, thank you for all your continued support. See you soon. Now, uh, nothing out of the ordinary here. You know, he says he's never did it. He's never done it. He's never admitted to it. Um, you know, I don't know the court case. I didn't follow the court case. Every document, I didn't read every single thing. But that's what the jury came to the conclusion of, that he did do it, that he was the cause of all this. Um, but they are they are appealing this. They're going to, you know, his lawyers are going to fight back against the sentencing. And, you know, maybe they present new evidence. I don't know. All I know is, you know, they're letting him that served the time that he served so far. They're letting him use that, so he's going to be out by. Um, I think he's served already a year and a half, something like that. So he's going to be out. So he's got about nine more years. So he's going to be out what nine years? Let's just do ten because twenty twenty three is easier math. So twenty thirty two, twenty thirty one, around there, which is wild to say. Like right now, I'm saying twenty thirty one, and I'm thinking that's fucking far away. When in reality, it's not really that far away. It's actually pretty close. Um, but yeah, man, he, like I said, he maintain remains that, you know, Hey, I'm innocent. I never did this shit. You know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about rock nation having a part in this Jay Z doing his thing, him having Illuminati ties and not wanting to fuck with Illuminati, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm not going to get into all that. You know, Tory says he's innocent. Um, I do believe if he actually did it, which the jury says he did it. You know, as a man, you got to hold yourself accountable, man. Do the time, hold yourself accountable, apologize, and move on. It is what it is. Unfortunate time in your life, especially when you're a multimillionaire, enjoying life. But, you know, watch, watch what you're doing, man. Be smarter of the incidents you involve yourself in, the people you surround yourself with. And uh, don't get entangled into multiple people, multiple different things, man. I see a lot of these artists, especially people in Hollywood, they just mess with each other's you know, exes. And then that ends up in a whole issue. Never fuck with somebody else's ex. Um, you know, you guys know what's going on with the Joe Budden podcast because of that. If you if you've listened to the Joe Budden podcast, you know, Joe and um Ish are having their own issues. So I'm not gonna get into that, but you guys know, man. Uh you know, don't mess with don't don't get intertwined with stuff, man. If you have a woman that you like, be with her. Don't start cheating and messing with people's exes and all that stuff. It just gets a mess like this. And who knows? You're going to end up in a situation like this yourself. So uh, we'll keep our eye on this and see what happens when they, uh, you know, present their case of trying to uh, overturn the, the the sentencing. This is interesting because 50 Cent normally never talks about anything in music, but he got asked a question, which was very interesting, that I'm glad somebody asked him. Somebody with a brain who knows how to ask questions Asked him an interesting question. So he appeared on the Capital Extra show uh, doing like a Zoom. And basically the guy asked him, hey, uh, who who is somebody in music that you haven't got a chance to work with and that you would like to work with? Is there anybody from the past 50 years of hip hop that you would like to make a song with that you haven't already? I didn't do I didn't do one with Wayne directly. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. He's one of the ones that, like, I ain't been trained. Like, I was like, people don't know, I was on the Cash Money Rough Riders tour. Oh, for real? Before they opened the curtain. Before the show started. Oh, no. Oh, no. What happened? <laughs> people were still walking in. And I was like, <laughs> I was doing my 
How about anybody from the UK? Because obviously Diggity is a big fan of yours. He's sampled your tracks a couple of times. Strands as well has been compared to you quite a lot. Anybody from the UK you'd want to work with or you mess with? I like a lot of the drill artists. A lot of the new artists out there. They did they did they be doing the taking the samples and doing different things with the records. And I like that. Like I invite that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I think it's it's not biting the style. It's just taking it. It's part influence. Like because the record was dope to them, they're just doing anything over it. You know, and I, and I like I like. So that is interesting. That he said that he wants to work with Lil Wayne, somebody that he hasn't worked with. You know, I you know I got a whole shit list of artists that I wish Fifty would work with. Kevin Gates is one of them. I feel like him, his style, Kevin Gates' style, his aggressive style with Fifties would fit very well. I wanted 50 in Chameleon Air, wanted 50 in uh, Drake. I still haven't heard that. Uh, but yeah, 50 Cent and Lil Wayne would be very interesting. I think that needs to happen. I think Wayne is going to hear of this. And while Wayne's working on his new album, he's probably going to you know, find a track for 50 to jump on. I think that would be really cool. Uh, anything music related to 50, man. I've said this millions of times, but I'm tired of, you know, I, I like the TV shows. I love what he's doing right now. It's amazing. And... You know, it's gotten him to a whole different level, which we'll discuss on probably future podcasts. But, um, you know, I, I I still, you know, I grew up on his music, man. And that's, you know, going to the concert and performing, it felt like 2003 again. Everybody was yelling out G-Unit. Everybody was bumping 50 Cent's music and, and cars that were around the concert. All this stuff uh, felt like 2003. It was amazing. I got to experience something that, um, you know, as a kid, I didn't get a chance to get a chance to experience so uh i'm all for that man 50 and wayne that would sound fire so you know i hope hope that happens when wayne's working on his uh new album j cole said something recently as a surprise guest on 50 cents final lap tour that got everyone debating what did he say roll the clip can i say this before i walk on stage if y'all don't make some noise for one of the greatest to ever do this shit 50 and Sid Curtis Jackson. Get rich and doubt trying the best album of all time. I don't give a f what you're talking about. It's Get Rich and Doubt trying at number one, and it's thrilling at number two. And I love Michael Jackson, but I promise y'all that Curtis Jackson, 50 Cent, we love you, man. For real. New York City, good night. To a lot of people's surprise, J. Cole ranked 50 Cent's Give It or Die Trying as the greatest album of all time, period, no matter what genre. He rated it above Michael Jackson's Thriller. As we know, Michael Jackson's Thriller has done insane numbers, broken insane records. It is currently the highest-selling album of all time. It's 34 times platinum just in the United States and over 100 million records sold just on that album alone worldwide, which nobody has ever topped. But here's why I agree with J. Cole. If you guys haven't seen my documentary, it's called How 50 Cent Got Rich and Nearly Died Trying. I ended up interviewing a lot of people that worked on 50 Cent's album, from the co-executive producer Shaw Money XL to the producers like Red Spider, Dirty Swift, who produced 21 Questions, Rockweiler, who produced Like My Style, and engineers on the album, even graphic designers. I talked to these people because I wanted to know the true story of 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. And 
Take the music aside, just the story of Get Rich or Die Trying is one of the most unique stories that is never going to be replicated in music or in anything in life ever. Nobody could have written a better script than this. And the story is that 50 Cent got shot nine times. Yes, we know that. But here's the huge but. It's that he was facing death. He was facing a big gangster drug dealer by the name of Supreme wanting to get him killed. Mind you, you get shot nine times, you have no money, and instead of hiding and being scared of the situation that you're in, you decide to release your first song called F*** You and just don't care about anything coming your way. Thus the title, Get Rich or Die Trying. And that story in itself is the greatest story in music, I think, period. If you do not agree, you do not know the story that well to disagree. So that's why I'm saying Watch the documentary. Here's one clip from the documentary. I worked with 50. You had to know the secret handshake. And those G-Unit sessions, if you didn't know the secret handshake, you wasn't getting in. So like everybody right now that got the nice, relaxed 50 cent and all that sh that's cool, but it was, it was a whole different tone, you know, back in 2000, you know, in February with that project. You know, everybody had to be in a bulletproof, an army car, you know? And if you left the squad, right, then that's on you. You see what I'm saying? It was it was wartime. I remember being in the studio one time with him. His girl's like, where's my pocketbook? Where's my pocketbook? So everybody started looking at Fifth and, and us. So Fifth knew that immediately he had to figure it out. So he started looking all over the place. And eventually he found the pocketbook in the bathroom behind the toilet stool. And his homie took everything out but put the pocketbook there. So he immediately got to his homie, started hitting him. Yo, he stripped this nigga in the studio in front of all of us. This nigga ran out the building, hit factory, damn near in boxes. After 50 hit him, this dude had to get on the train, leave and shit. And Fifth wanted to let everybody know, it's not me, but I won't allow that. Even if it came from me, he wouldn't allow that shit. And that's just one clip from this documentary to tell the story of Get Rich or Die Trying. On top of that, 50 Cent broke insane records, like in the club, being the most listened to radio song in radio history with 170.2 million listeners at once. And of course, as we know nowadays, In the Club gets played every single day when it's somebody's birthday. On top of that, we have classics like 21 Questions, many men that a lot of people play when they're going against life. It's like a war anthem for people and so on and so forth. Even in the documentary, one of the producers of Bloodhound reveals that a lot of the songs on the album could have been singles, damn near the whole album. Mind you, this album is 19 tracks along with the bonus cuts. So 19 singles could have potentially been hits on this album. In fact, they were debating back and forth on if I Can't or In The Club should be the first single. That just goes to show you how much of great music was on this album. And the stories behind a lot of these tracks is real life stories of life and death. That's what makes this album, to me, the greatest hip-hop album, the greatest period album of all time. And if you disagree, you do not know the story that well to disagree. The story is something that can never be written again in history, period. This guy went up against everything in life. All the stars aligned perfectly for this guy to succeed, and he still has the largest-selling debut album of all time. Nobody's broken that record yet. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Debut album is your first album ever. He has the first week sales of 872,000 copies, which has never been broken. Nobody's topped that. Matter of fact, he did that in five days because the album leaked. Had he had a full week of sales like most artists do, he would have did a million copies easily. And that's just brief little facts. To me, it's the greatest album, period. I've never heard of a better album. Every track, top to bottom, is classic. Until this day, it still impacts. It's in, you know impacted J. Cole impacted Kendrick Lamar, impacted lots of artists that you hear to this day. Drake even said when he heard 50 Cent with 21 Questions, it gave him a lot of motivation to do singing as well. And I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this album. There's so much stuff to this album that makes it so great, not only from the music, but just the story attached to it. And the title, man, Give Richard I Tryin' album cover is iconic, and the way that was made was even iconic as well. So Melly Mel and Eminem got into their own thing, and MC Shan and Nas have gotten into their own thing as well. But, uh, you know, seems to be resolved. So let's go over the article of what's going on with MC Shan and Nas. MC Shan and Nas have officially buried the hatchet, making peace with one another on the official 50th anniversary of hip-hop. This is ironic that a lot of stuff is happening on the 50th anniversary. Uh, in a video from what appears to be backstage area of hip-hop 50 live concert at the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, New York, on Friday, August 11th, the former Juice Crew MC can be seen approaching God's son and offering offering what he called the olive branch. Uh, the olive branch has been extended, Sean says, Shan says in the clip, which Nas replies, talk your shit. So let's let's play the clip. Look, the olive branch has been extended. Talk your shit. Love that motherfucker right there. That's all I can say. I love you too. <laughs> And I, I got in my feelings, and I apologize to my brother like a real man. man and you shit. see us here, right? Appreciate y'all. So it's dope that, you know, they can actually see each other, bury the hatchet, uh, and he admitted, hey, I got in my feelings, shouldn't have done that. What happened, basically, is what you guys are probably wondering. MC Shan tore into Nas back in July, uh, telling him to keep his name out of his mouth if he's not going to invite him to partake in any of the Hip Hop 50 celebrations that he helped organize. He said, I'm sitting here hearing that Nas is doing these motherfucking 50th anniversary shows, right? Uh, Nas, if you're doing 50th anniversary shows and you ain't holla at your mans, let me tell you something. My guy, don't ever mention my motherfucking name again. Don't put my name in your mouth about nothing. Uh, but on Wednesday, August 9th, Shan took to his Instagram to issue an apology to the King's Disease rapper after he reportedly received a nasty phone call from one from someone in Nas's camp. You know a real man, stand on that real man shit. So what I have to do right now is stand on some more shit, and I got to suck this shit up. Shan began. Shan began. I got to give a big apology to Nas because I listen to folks that I don't even know what they're talking about about him like that. But now I got a call. I get a call. Y'all seen on the last video, and he got mad because they got something going on, and he got mad that it was out and said, nah, we can't do that. We got to do a 50-50 deal, so take it down until we talk to Shan. He continued, I love you, my guy. I have not stopped loving you just because of what the fuck these folks was saying and these magazines trying to drag me through the mud. But all I'm going to say to you as a fucking man, I apologize for stepping outside of my character when I should have motherfucking thought of it as a businessman. You know he's outdated when he says, and these magazines try to drag my name. That is hilarious that he still thinks magazines exist. They do, but to a certain extent they do. Uh, nowadays you can't really buy like an XXL magazine or... Uh, whatever any of these other complex magazine or these other platforms that you know the source and all that um so that's funny that they say that 
But yeah, he apologized uh, over basically getting over his feelings. Fat Joe talked about this on his live, which was interesting. He just said a lot of these old heads get in their own way because, you know, they're the founding fathers, quote unquote, of hip hop. You know, they're the ones that that started, you know, this fucking genre that, that that's 50 years going on now. So at the time, there was not barely basically no money in hip hop at that time. So. Uh, now that you know time has gone on, hip hop has become the number one genre. Everyone is eating, becoming millionaires, billionaires. Maybe a lot of these older artists are feeling jealous, bitter that you know, hey, we started all this and you guys are eating off of what we started. You know, so uh, Melly Mel probably felt like that, especially because Eminem is white. So I guess he looks at it from a whole different perspective. And then MC Shan probably felt like that, like, hey, you're doing all these shows, you're not inviting me, paying me to perform, or whatever the case may be. So. A lot of the old heads are just mainly money, man. It's just like, yo, uh, you know, we don't have money right now. So, you know, the best way is to just shit on the new generation and try to get attention, um, which is unfortunate. But I think a lot of these uh, artists that do are billionaires like Jay-Z, quote unquote, who always says he's for the culture, always for hip hop. Extend your hand, man. Look out for a lot of these older artists, man. See if you can get into business with them in some way. Maybe uh, do a documentary on them and give them all the all the profit from it. You know, or if you don't give them all the profit, you know, take less, take 20% only. Or, you know, that's what I would be doing if I was in a position of uh, billionaire status or multimillionaire worth $500 million. I would see uh, the older generations that started it, see if I can help them in any way, shape, or form, do some business, talk about hip-hop history. You know, they can do documentaries. They can do a lot of different things that can talk about the history of hip-hop and cement it. So, you know, 100 years from now, when we're all gone, uh, you know, the history of hip hop doesn't get uh, misguided disinformation, all that stuff, because that's very easy. That's going to be very easy. You're very easy going to be able to manip manipulate people with AI, with all this stuff, deep fakes. It's just going to get better and better with technology and time. So I think, um, you know, documenting it now, proof that's recorded now so that there's no AI in the future saying, yo, you know, this isn't real. This is that. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that could happen. So I'm looking like way into the future. But, you know, a lot of these older artists, man, that's how they feel. They, they haven't gotten the money that they wanted from hip hop. They felt like, hey, we started this shit. Um, we should be able to eat, you know, off this stuff. So I get it. I get where they're coming from. But, you know, it is what it is, man. That's that's, you know, you guys got your flowers because you guys started it. And you guys are going to go in the history books of, you know, the people that started it, which is. No joke, but, um, you know, find a way to get money, man. Don't be hard-headed. You know, if you're an old head, you know, not an old head, but if you're an old artist, find a way to get money. You know, make it cool like this, MC Shan Nas, hopefully Melly Mel and Eminem clear their stuff. I find it just funny that this is happening on, like, the 50th anniversary, like, the 50th year of hip-hop. Older and newer, like, beefing with each other, which is hilarious. I don't know why I find that so much. That, that's just intriguing that it happened right at this time. But, um, yeah, we'll keep our eye out, man. Hopefully these older artists do not, you know, try to work with the newer, you know, even though Nas is older, it's just funny because I'm saying Nas is newer, even though he is newer versus MC Shan. Uh, he is older in his, you know, in his time as well. So, uh, he's been doing it for what, 25, 30 years now. So, uh, yeah, uh, old school, new school, whatever school I fuck with it all, man. I support all of it. I love all of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this stuff. Uh, new music. I know DJ Khaled dropped some stuff. I, I really don't have a list right now of new music. 
I used to visit a website for new music. They shut down, so I don't even know where to find uh exact list of where the new music's coming out. But I know DJ Khaled announced a new new album. Um, I know that uh, you dropped a new single from the album. Let's see here. Trippy Red dropped a love letter to U5, uh, which I think is a project. It's not actually a song. Yeah, so it's a whole album. Uh, shout out to Trippy Red. Let's see what uh, new songs came out. We got DJ Cal is supposed to be love, Lil Baby in Future. Uh, you know, I know Kevin Gates dropped some stuff. Good Summer, French Montana dropped. Uh, so yeah, I don't really know. I need to find a website that actually lists new music a little bit better. But that's it for new music, at least what I what I found out. Uh, album sales: Travis Scott still at number one with Utopia at one hundred forty-seven thousand. Great numbers. Um, you know, now it's more streaming versus actual physical album sales. Uh, number two, Morgan Wallen, One Thing at a Time, ninety-one thousand. Barbie, the album soundtrack, number three with seventy-two thousand. Taylor Swift, Speak Now, Taylor's version, number four with 58,000. Taylor Swift, Midnight's, number five with 54,000. Post Malone, Austin, number six with 51,000. Taylor Swift, Lover, number seven with 50,000. Pesa Pluma, Genesis, number eight with 46,000. Taylor Swift, Folklore, number nine with 40. Geez, she's got one, two, three, four albums in the top 10. Taylor Swift, damn it. Number nine with 43,000. Morgan Wallen, Dangerous Double Album, number 10 with 42,000. Scrolling down, Gunna, Gift and a Curse, number 16 with 29,000. Uh, Lil Uzi Vert, Pink Tape, number 25 with 23,000. Yo Gotti and DJ Drama's project, I Showed You So, debuted at number 26 with 22,000 copies sold. Uh, Drake, 21 Savage, Her Loss, number 30 with 21,000. Uh, Metro Boomin, Heroes and Villains, number 31 with 21,000. Lil Dirk, Almost Healed, number 35 with 20,000. Uh, Mac Miller swimming back on the charts at number 37 with 18,000. Drake certified lover boy number 40 with 17,000. Lil Baby My Turn number 42 with 17,000. Eminem Curtain Call number 45 with 16,000. Drake Take Care number 48 with 16,000. Uh, speaking of Dirk, when we just passed his album, they, they said that it was a shooting at his concert in Chicago. That was false. I just want to let you guys know that. I don't know if. Uh, anybody reported on that because sometimes the positive never gets reported. It's always the negative. So that was false. Uh, concert went on. Everything was fine. Uh, there was just a false scare. You know, shit like that happens. Where Oh, my God, we hear firecrackers or we hear gunshots outside of the stadium, which is possible that could have happened. Uh, let's run and let's, let's make this crazy roar. And then somebody records it, and that's the only moment it's captured. But Dirk showed that, hey, there was a whole concert going on in there that night. So that's false. Um but yeah, that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. Once again, I apologize. I am literally losing my voice the more and more I talk on here, so I'm going to try to end this quickly. Uh, Spotify, Deezer Podcast, YouTube, all that. Uh, once again, I apologize. Low energy, losing voice. Uh, I'll make it up on the, the next episode of the podcast to do a lot better. Uh, just, you know, the fact that I'm even doing it is surprising to me. So, um, yeah, I usually never miss podcasts, guys. I'm letting you guys know that. I usually never do... Um, you know, unless something, you know, I'm sick really bad or I got to take an important flight somewhere where I can't be here or, you know, I'm working on a major project like the Give Should I Try and documentary where I, you know, halt to the podcast for like two months. That's it. I'll be here every single time I need to record an episode. You know, if it's an important flight, I usually never fly out. So if I fly out somewhere, it's something very important. I do not, I hate flying. 
You know, I like staying on the ground, feet on the ground. I don't like to be flying everywhere. You know, it's not that I'm scared of flights because I'm not. I don't get anxiety. I don't get scared of it at all because at that point, once the airplane takes off, you know, what's what's going to happen? You're, you know, you can't do shit. Even if it crashes, you're done for. So it's in God's hands at that point. But I just hate the whole TSA, bags, all this, rushing to get here, do this. You know, that's the kind of process I hate. I wish I could just Dragon Ball Z, Goku, instant transmission to places. That would be amazing. Oh, that's a dream come true. But have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this, and peace.